to episode 65 of The Keith Law Show, presented by Topps. Check out Topps Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Topps baseball cards. I'm Keith Law. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm going to return to baseball talk this week with Jonathan Mayo of MLB.com. The baseball draft is just a few days away. It starts with the first round and the supplemental round on Sunday, July 11th. They're holding it at the All-Star Game this week, or at the All-Star site of the All-Star Game, I should say. The Futures Game is that afternoon. I will be there, and then I will wander over to the draft at the Denver Convention Center which starts at, I believe, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Mountain Time, and we'll hang out there for the first 36 picks, I believe it is. I am working on one more mock draft that will actually run on Friday, July 9th, just to accommodate my travel schedule. I will update that file as needed. I don't believe we'll post another mock draft after that. As I get other information or just want to change my guesses, I will update that particular file. I'm also hoping to do a final update to my top 100 ranking of draft prospect. I do have some personal travel that I have to take care of in the interim that is just, let's just say slightly getting in the way of some of the writing, but I promise to do my best. And then of course, once the draft is over, really once it's well underway and most of the prospects have already been selected, I will be sure to follow up with analysis on the first round and then talk about what each of the 30 teams ended up doing within this year's draft. would also like to mention, I think I mentioned this on a previous podcast, I am going to do an in-store event at the Tattered Cover in Denver, uh, right across from Coors Field, actually. It is now set for noon local time on Monday, July 12th. It was originally going to be an evening. They've moved it up, so we're not conflicting with the Home Run Derby. Uh, and I would love to see many of you there. Hopefully, a lot of you will be out there for FanFest or other all-star activities, or if you just live in Denver. I've actually never done a book signing or bookstore event in Denver, so this is particularly exciting. And would love to meet some of you. If you have a copy of any either of my books, or if you choose to buy a copy of either of my books, I would love to sign them for you in person as well. Now it is my pleasure to be joined by Jonathan Mayo of MLB.com, MLB Network. I think it's kind of a tradition, right? We talk right before the draft. Jonathan and I have known each other for more than 20 years now. Oh, Lord. I know, right? Uh, it's showing up. I see a little little white in the facial hair. A little there. white. Just Jeez, a little. that's a lot of white They there, can't see you, you, so I can I can be kind, right? <laughs> We're about the same age, right? Do I have a year or two on you? I am um, I am 50. You are 50. Oh, no, you've got two years on me then. I'm I just turned 50. I'm just much better looking than you are okay anyway we're just gonna keep going <laughs> so let's talk to by the way i don't before i forget folks if you're uh as long as you have the MLB, mlb network you're gonna be able to see jonathan a lot on sunday uh he's gonna be on the futures game which i will be yep. at but you'll actually be on the broadcast i'll be somewhere in the stands and then the draft also that night so that's at one mountain times the futures game right and the draft starts at five mountain time i think that's right that sounds right yes yeah well you know what? i'm just gonna go from the airport to course field and then just follow you <laughs> fair enough i'll send up flares every once in a while Perfect. just to be in, you could uh, be like the um the groups like the the Brazilian tourist yeah. groups at Disney World where there's the flag. Oh, the big umbrella. Yeah, exactly. And we're walking. And we're, we're walking. walking. <laughs> Sorry, we could talk a little futures game later. My main reason to talk to you, just like we did last year, was let's talk about the draft. Sure. Um, I will put a thesis out there that uh, you agree, disagree. I feel like the top, well, we might roughly know who the top five or six picks are going to be 
the actual order is as unsettled as it can be in any draft I remember in the last 15 years. I think that's right. I mean, with the caveat that I feel like every year there's the, well, no one knows, you Mm -hmm. know, kind of thing. Except I really feel like this time, no one knows. I mean, (laughs) some of it is, some of it is the lack of separation. uh, I think among that top group, some of it is, you know, legitimately the pirates have not decided uh, who they're taking. And like you and I have been doing this a long time. And there are times where, you know, you would talk to the Washington nationals and Bryce Harper was there and like, no, we haven't decided yet. And you're like, I was just going to say that. Like, I was like, Mike, like, come on. But in this case, they, they have not yet decided. Uh, And because of all the different factors and the fact that I think it's generally agreed that Marcelo Meyer is the best player, but he's not the best player like Bryce Harper or Steven Strasburg or even Adley Rushman was the best player. So it's, um, it's, led to some some interesting conversations when trying to do a uh, projection of the first round that's for sure you've had marcelo mayer as your number one prospect for a little while now i had i i am going to do a final re-rank and i'm actually going to flip him to one over henry davis i've just talked to lots of people you know i saw davis i didn't see mayer so but from the more people i talked to it seems like he is the consensus number one he's the he is the consensus top guy and you know it's one of these things where uh I keep putting them in my mocks there. I have no certainty that that's who they're taking. Right. Neither have I been told that's not who they're taking. So I'm like, all right. I mean, yeah. you know, I think I did one where I flipped it around early on just to give it a different, different look. And, you know, I think Henry Davis, they're talking about, you know, that they, you know, I still think that it's more of a, of a plan one a, as opposed to plan one, but like, I totally got like, well, why not? You know, with all this uncertainty, here's a different look and it could definitely go that way. Um, just to return to Pittsburgh for a second too, the one sense I've gotten again, nothing guaranteed, but it seemed like they were kind of disinclined to take a picture. Now, when it was just the Vandy boys and these other high school shortstops hadn't established themselves and Davis was still kind of seen as in the next tier it seemed like, well, they had to consider a pitcher, but now they have, I guess, three position players we're really talking about. So for listeners who don't know, Marcelo Mayer, Jordan Lawler, both high school shortstops, and then uh, the aforementioned Henry Davis, Louisville catcher. What odds would you put them put on them taking any pitcher, which is probably the Vandy guys, but any pitcher at all? And, and, and really, if we're going to be honest, it's only Jack Leiter. I don't, I don't think Kumar Rocker's really in the conversation. Uh, I think so, too. Um, so you. 25%. You know, I don't think they've closed the door on Jack Leiter. Um, And for the reasons that like everyone, you know, on Twitter thinks they should take him, uh, you know, they're not invalid reasons. It just doesn't mean that they're going to take him. Um, You know, I I agree with you. It seems like they're leaning more towards a hitter and and more towards one of the high school shortstops. I think Khalil Watson has sort of worked his way into the conversation a little bit. and even if that's like plan C, you know, I think they, you know, in case, you know, they offer a certain amount of money and no one will take anything, then like, all right, well, this guy's good. Um, I don't think they've done enough as much work on him as they did on, on Meyer and, uh, and Lawler because that they knew them from the summer. So it's been over a year's worth probably of f- focusing on them. So, y- y- you know, I, I, I think it's unlikely that they take Jack Leiter, but I, he, they've not like removed him from the board. So people in the industry even keep asking me, are you hearing Kumar Rocker's falling? Are you hearing his sliding? How far does he go? Now, personally, I think there's a floor. It picks 10 and 11. It's the Mets and the Nationals. I don't think he's going any further than that. To what do you ascribe this sense that 
which to me, it's not that he's falling. He's just not going to go where, probably not going to go where he thought he was. We, he thought, Scott Boris thought, we thought, he's not up there anymore. And yet, and I, I have my hypotheses, but also if you were just casual observer and you caught a good Kumar Rocker start, maybe not the last one, but one of the ones leading up to the championship series, you might say, why the heck isn't this guy going first or second in the draft? Right. And we may look back five years from now and be like, boy, he should have been one, one, like he might figure it out. You know, the, the, the question marks around him, which are largely about command, uh, you know, especially, you know, you know, the, the biggest thing that comes up is he gets, you know, his slider or cutter or what, you know, who you ask, they call it different things, but yes. you know, the, we'll call it the slider is ridiculous. Pitch. And he has lived off of getting college hitters to chase it out of the zone. Mm-hmm. That's not going to work when he moves to the next level. I think he'll he'll figure that out. I, you know, I know he's more thrower than pitcher, but I think there's enough pitcher in there that he's going to learn how to harness it enough to be closer to the guy that people wanted to make the next Steven Strasburg. You know, part of the the problem, I think, Keith, is that uh, there was too much of that kind of label put on him to begin with. Yeah, we had him like we did a top 100 in December, and he was number one on our board. You know, uh, and because after 2020, who 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 knew? Right. <laughs> there was no season and there was no real summer, especially for the college guys. Uh, but even then, you know, we tried to put qualifiers whenever we talked about him that it was not this obvious he's going to be the guy. You know, so I think that the fall isn't a, a, as precipitous as people make it out to be because of that. And he's not going to fall that far. You know, he just he at times was very, very good, but he wasn't always very, very good. Um, and I don't worry about that last start. I just actually answered an inbox question about that. Cause people think that he's falling out of the top 10 because of that last start, his second start in a row pitching on short rest, uh, you know, and like, I, I don't know, it might help him. Like he competed, he didn't have mm-hmm. anything and he, you know, he battled and like his competitiveness is one of his biggest strengths. So, you know, I don't see it as that big of a, of a fall. And some of it is just that because of the command, maybe a little reliever risk, like, yeah, could he be a frontline thrower? Sure. Could he be Alex Reyes? Okay, a healthy Alex Reyes. You know, like a guy who ends up in a bullpen, maybe. You know, and so you don't take that guy one-one. But I think you know there are all those teams in the you know five to ten range, six to ten range, really, who would have to look long and hard at why they wouldn't take him. Yep. Now uh, the one team in that range, I especially hear on them. I keep hearing the Royals are laying in the weeds on Kumar Rocker. It's you, the moment you said it, they're not really in the weeds, right? Yeah, the like, weeds have been whacked. Once yeah, you some say that, it's, sort of right. It's um, once you observe the interaction, you've changed the interaction. And that's you're not kind of laying, what's happened. And I don't think you're laying in the like that's not laying in the weeds, right? You know, I think they probably entered the spring thinking they would have no chance at drafting him, mm-hmm. and now they have a chance at drafting him. So they will seriously consider it just like the diamondbacks would. And, you know, I, you know, if I'm the Rockies, I, I would, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe the angels aren't on, you know, a team may not be on him and that's fine. They may like a different player better, or they may decide to save money and, you know, for whatever reason. But other than that, like, it's not laying in the weeds. It's like, we didn't think he was going to be there. Yeah. The, um, now I'm glad you mentioned the Rockies too, because I would say the teams in the top 10, they're the team that, it might be the most obvious thing, right? If I, especially if Rocker should get there, um, and there's there's some 
there's some college pitching there. Maybe there's Jackson Job if he happens to get there. They have pitching options. And I feel like no one's sure what they're going to do, primarily because no one's sure exactly who's making the pick, right? The longtime scouting director, Bill Schmidt, who's now the interim GM. But of right. course, he saw lots of these players. All of them, I think. Right? Just so focus, yeah. I, I mean, I cannot picture. They'd have to lock Bill in his office for him not to come and at least have some input say on who's getting well who else who else is making the pick right right? it's marco stiffson i think is the interim he's the interim scouting director they've sort of shuffled some guys around you know danny montgomery's involved it's all the same people and they all trust each other it's not like uh you know this is an outsider that they brought in so i i i I, yeah i i would think that if kumar rocker is there and you know it's one of those things where there have been times in drafts where a guy gets to a spot and the team's like, well, you know what? We didn't really do due diligence on a guy because we didn't think we had a chance. Kumar Rocker has been seen enough. I think he probably, there's more track record on him than any other player in this class, just because he was a high school prospect high school. Yep. and a good one. And even if you weren't honing in on him during his freshman year, you were probably at every SEC start he made, right? So everyone knows who he is. And I think you have a, a feeling for what he's going to be about. Uh, good and bad. So uh, yeah, I, I think they would be ready to to pull the trigger on that if you know if that's the direction they decide they want to go in. Yeah, that was the Matt Liberator problem a couple of years ago, where he you know for uh, no real reasons. I wonder if I think a little bit there was questions about what it was going to cost to get him to sign, but suddenly he was out of the top ten. And I remember a team in the teens texting me, "Is there something we don't know? Is he hurt?" And right. you end up in that panic mode. Like, wait, did we not? You just you just said you did, we didn't do our due diligence on this guy, and you don't want to end up taking a guy who's hurt. You don't want to end up in the Mark Appel situation where the Pirates took him, just saying, "Well, he's the best player. We should just take him," and hadn't done the due to hadn't met with the kid, didn't know what the price tag would be. Right now, I think you know somewhat similarly is Jay Groom, and you know obviously he's not mm. stayed healthy, but. You know, they were trying to push him down to the back end of the first round for, you know, payday. And the Red Sox were like, screw it. We're going to yep. take him and, <laughs> and did, you know, and to their to their credit. And they they didn't they had a tight bonus pool that year. So they couldn't, you know, go too nuts and signing him. And, you know, the fact of the matter is they had done enough work to know that he was going to sign. And, you know, he didn't really have great college options. And but that, you know, it, it, every year there are a few guys like that and they're, you know, only certain teams, I think, who are willing to say, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna roll the dice," or you know, we believe in our player development, or, you know, staff that they'll figure it out, or you know, if for whatever reason we can't get them signed, that's not going to be the the end of the world. I think the Red Sox are one of those teams that could afford, like, well, if that doesn't work, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, just take the pick next year. I hear that yeah. a lot. Who do you think is the th- third college pitcher taken. I'm assuming lighter rocker go one, two, wherever they go, but not picks one and two, but they're the first two college pitchers taken. There are a lot of other college pitchers that I think I have ranked highly. Some you have ranked highly there. They exist, but no one seems to agree who's next. You know, I think, and I'll go sort of uh, by the book based on our rankings, but I, I think that Ty Madden is probably the next guy. Mm -hmm. Um, He's the next guy on like our, based on our talent rankings, well, whether or not he ends up being the next guy, you know, could some team, I keep bringing up the angels cause who knows what they're going to do, but like they could cut a deal with some other college arm, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that we don't know about, but you know, I think after Madden and it's not that there aren't questions with him, but you know, 
Sam Bachman might have the best two pitch combination, but injury risk, reliever risk, you know, where does that leave him? Jordan Wicks is okay as the guess the top college lefty, but he's not like the next guy up for me, I don't mm-hmm. think. Um, so I think it would be Madden. Um but you know, there's a drop off after the two Vandy guys, and then I think there's a clump of those college arms that sort of all have some s- certain question marks that don't make them like slam dunk. Like this has got to be a you know, a guy in the top ten. Where usually college arms kind of float up into that area. Yeah, the sense I've gotten this year from mostly from just talking to people, uh, only saw a couple of these guys myself, was that there are a lot of co- college arms you would love to take in picks twenty to forty mm-hmm. college starters specifically and not many you'd like to take in picks one to 10 even one to 15 but because of just the way the draft tends to unroll and as you said college arms i think get elevated as much as anybody else um that because of the way this draft looks some of those guys that you'd really rather take in 20 to 40 are going to end up going somewhere especially like i'd say 11 to 20 maybe we get out of the top 10 and there are only two college pitchers taken but then a bunch of those guys you just mentioned, Gavin Williams is a name I occasionally hear from East Carolina just because he looked so good. He was yeah, good all and, year, but right. people saw him a lot in the playoff, in the postseason. Yeah, and they're right. And I think he sort of lands in it. He's, you know, but he's, and I don't know what to do with the sort of, he's a little bit older now because of the, the shutdown. Like, it, I think that some of that should get thrown out the window where, mm-hmm. you know, if a guy's mm-hmm. 22 or, you know, there's some, I think there's, you know, injury history with him that people will need yep. to have answered. So, uh, yeah, there's guys like him, uh, Mike McGreevy from Santa Barbara is a guy who I heard more and it looked like he was like moving up, 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 and then mm-hmm. kind of dropped, you know, the, the, the one guy I'll throw out and, you know, and not, you know, a little bit of the sort of flavor of the moment as a guy who could surprise everyone is Will Bednar. And at this point, yes. I don't know that it's a surprise after what he did in the College right. World Series. So <laughs> he's the one guy who, you know, typically I'd be like, well, yes, it was good that they were able to scout the College World Series, especially with the lack of data for college players and seeing how players do under that spotlight, I think is a good thing. He's the one guy who I think impacted his stock the most with how he performed in Omaha. And uh, so he's probably worked his way into that group in the teens or whatever. Um if you told me that he would sneak into the back end of the top 10, like to cut a deal, it wouldn't shock me. I, I don't, I don't think that's anybody's plan a, but again, if the numbers aren't right in terms of signability with some guys, I, I think teams feel pretty confident that that guy's going to pitch in the big leagues. Yes. Um, you know, so push comes to shove. Maybe you just do that. Um, if things, other things really aren't working out. Yeah. Bednar, I had heard Bednar as maybe a back of the first round guy earlier this spring. Yep. People saying it was the best, one of the best sliders in the draft class. And that, especially a college pitcher who started, it's not like we're talking about a you know Kevin Copps who was primarily a one inning guy, a huge chunk of the year. Right. You know, if you're a starter and you've got something that could be described as best in the class, you're probably going in the first round. Yeah, unless you can't throw a strike, and you know, it, you know, there were questions about his ability to start, and then he mm-hmm. answered those, and then he had a little dip. And you know, people have completely forgotten, like his super regional start was not very good, but that's just one start. And then you saw, you know, you saw, I think the, the, the makeup on the mound, the competitiveness and the stuff all played, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so I, I think 
most people think that he can start you know what his ceiling is and that you know remains to be seen but i think that elevated him all year and then at the end was a big exclamation point for him yeah i think he i hate to use the phrase he answered questions when we are talking about just a couple of starts here but the fact that he was especially in that rotation remember coming into the year i don't know where you had these guys ranked but there was an argument that you were going to see all three Mississippi State starters drafting the top 60 picks or so. Yeah. And then Christian McLeod, he's fine, but he doesn't throw very hard. And then Sarantola was the, he might have the best pure stuff. Of yeah, all, the wheels fell off though. Oh, yeah. completely. I know he made a few reliefs, uh, had a few relief appearances where he was marginally better, but it just wasn't, obviously, it was just not meant to be. He had first round stuff easily. Um, whereas Bednar was the one who, every time the bell rang, he answered for basically an entire year. Sometimes consistency pays off, right? It's like he took the ball yeah. every week and he was largely good. Even the dips, he, you know, he still competed and it wasn't, you know, any alarms going off. Like suddenly he's throwing 84 miles an hour or, or anything like that. And he was largely good. And then he was very, very, very good at the end and clearly had plenty left in the tank, you know, even pitching on three days rest, um, you know, which, you know, you don't want to have a guy do regularly, but he, he did not, it was very low effort for a guy who people worried about whether or not there was too much effort. <laughs> he looked like he was just out there playing catch. And I'm like, yeah. okay. Yeah, he's, he looked, I hadn't really seen much of him before then. I'm like, he looks like a starter to me. Mm-hmm. So this, you live in Pittsburgh. I, I live do. in Wilmington, Delaware. We were in maybe the hottest area of baseball in the country this year for draft prospects, particularly for high school baseball. Um, we had, well, you know what? I'm not even going to list all the names because there were a lot of them. I didn't even get to see all of them. But uh, let me throw a couple at you, too. Okay. Um, Frank Mazzucato up in Connecticut's greatest name in the draft. Well, maybe not the greatest, but very close up to there. Um, I believe his parents actually do it. Someone in his family runs an Italian bakery just east of oh, I hope that too. I hope that's right. Oh, it's definitely I'm, – I'm like 99% certain of that. And I was kind of mad that I saw him somewhere else. I saw him in Bristol, Connecticut near my former employer, but it's not where he's from. And I was like, wait, I was totally going to go get like a big box, you know, the big box with the red and white string around it. of the yeah. anyway. Um, He was an out of nowhere guy. And I actually did get up to see him. And there were probably 40 or 50 scouts there, right. a GM, AJ Preller looking, you know, I mean, you know, he's got the shorts on and the hat. That <laughs> look, looks like it's from 1953. Uh, so what, what have you heard on Mazzucato? I mean, I think he's, I would, think it's fair to call him one of the real pop-up guys of the spring yeah because i mean he didn't do much over the summer and uh you know he, he what he did he wasn't throwing very hard he did the whole i think he went to cressy uh yep. performance and uh so he was throwing a good amount harder yeah he's it was a hard guy because like his name started popping up and people like check the news saw he you know threw 27 no hitters in a row or whatever it was <laughs> and uh and and then i like i talked to bunch of scouts and like nobody loved him and i'm like so i don't understand and you know the one thing you know normally you glean information like well, the gm is there and the first thing you check is well was the team playing nearby it was a near spring training home because some too much can right. be made of that and then here it's aj preller i'm like well he's at every game i'm pretty sure he's <laughs> himself. he is at every amateur game all year he's at so- my kid's softball game the other day <laughs> They were four to six year olds. Right, yeah. right. A little, you know, a little, you know, why are you doing that, AJ? But sure, you know, he just loves ball that much. And um, so, you know, he's projectable. Uh, you know, he can really spin it. 
Um, you know, if you, if you believe in him, I guess you, you, you think he's going to throw harder than he does right now. He's pretty athletic on the mound. Um, jump in if you saw something different because I haven't actually. No, that's you're actually describing him perfectly. I haven't, you know, I didn't see him, but I because I wanted to check with as many different people at different levels of scouting because I'm like, I, I get that he's moving up, and, and because you know people hadn't seen him and he took kind of a jump forward, but I'm like, I, I didn't quite understand that much hoopla. So like, it's it's clearly about the. I, I guess when you have a guy who is projectable and has a feel for pitching, mm-hmm. that's intriguing. Um, yep. so I, you know, I don't, I know a lot of people, I don't, I don't remember what you, you did, what you did in your last mock, but like people have sort of snuck them into the, uh, to the back of the first round, um, often with the Padres. Um, I could see that, you know, I think he's maybe more a comp or a second round guy who gets paid. Um, although, you know, uh, you know, he's not committed to Vanderbilt. Uh, but it's UConn, right? It's UConn. I think it is. Yeah. I don't think it's a, you know, it's not one of these situations where like he needs to go play because he needs to, to sign, you know, to, right. to, to help the family. Uh, so we'll, we'll so they got the of, cookies. So they're yeah, right. They're, they've got the cookies. Yeah. Right. And, uh, right. Leave but the like he could take the cannoli guys, right. guys, <laughs> guys like that could go in the you know second or third round and get paid like a first rounder and it's the same thing it, you know he didn't scream to me like oh he must be a first rounder based on the guys i talked to so contrast him then by the way what you described was exactly what i saw it was okay. 86 90 he could really really spin it ton of strikes i think again he didn't give up a hit the day i saw him either um so contrast him then with michael morales just like reasonably close to you actually where he's committed vanderbilt so there's been a question all spring of, okay, well, even if you like him, what's it going to cost? Is he willing to sign? Does he want to sign it? You know there's pressure from Vanderbilt to try to get him down there. Um, and I feel like his – I wouldn't say he's gone down necessarily, but his star dimmed maybe a little bit as the spring went on. And I don't know if that was him being any different or scouts maybe just seeing too much of the same thing. That's the thing. I, you know, The funny thing is, is that in a lot of ways his stuff – is where Mazzucato's stuff is. But the difference is his stuff was always there. Maybe it backed up a little bit while Mazzucato's stuff was seen as going up. And of course, Mazzucato's left-handed and Morales is not. Um, and that does make a difference. But, um, you know, the funny thing is, like, I haven't talked to anybody about Morales in a while because I think he kind of stagnated. And I, I think it is. he. We, you know, he was seen as this, well, he was interesting, really good feel for pitching, um, decent stuff with the chance for it to get better because he's not like he's five foot ten. Um, you know, he could add some strength and then it's it kind of backed up a little bit velocity wise. And, and then, then I think he, he kind of leveled off and he, he was good, uh, but he didn't take a step forward. And, you know, in this interview, if you don't take a step forward, especially if you're a guy who's seen a good amount, that it's tantamount to, to sort of moving backwards. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, by the way, 5'10 sounds extremely tall to me, so I don't want to hear any criticism. My son is 5'10. So, oh, there you go. Um, yeah. Last one for you. How many Montgomerys go in the first round? Two. Okay. That would, that would be my guess as well. I think Benny and, Col- Benny and Colson are the two that I think yep. go in the, in the first round when all is said and done. And is that a, uh, an assumption that Braden ends up going to Stanford? I think so. Um, you know, and keep in mind, you know, Jim Callis, my colleague, and I split up the country uh, okay. in terms of our coverage. And Braden Montgomery is not in my half of the country. Neither is Colson, but 
you know, his name has come up so much in that like early twenties area of, of the first round that I like, I believe that's going to, you know, I have a better feel that that's going to happen while Braden's name has not come up as much lately. So that, I mean, that's kind of yeah. what I'm basing on. And Benny Montgomery has always been in the first round and it's just a question of, you know, does he cut a deal and go up higher than people think? Yeah. Um, you know, but we've had him kind of in the right in the middle of the first round for most of the spring. Yeah. That's about where I've had him. He just looks, I've not heard anything linking him to this particular team, but boy, does he look like a Rockies pick to me. That's just their type of play, the body, the athleticism, but with a little question mark, you know, okay, we get this guy in, we've got some things to work out, but he looks like that. They're kind of player. It's funny because I feel like as we've crept closer here, and they're trying to figure things out because they're right in that cusp where there's like that top group of players. Yeah. And they're hoping one of them just gets to them. Mm-hmm. And if they don't, then they'll have to decide from this next tier. And maybe they do go and get a, a decide on a Benny Montgomery and, and, you know, sign a sign, you know, a, a little bit of a money saver. I don't think he, Benny Montgomery needs full slot if he goes eighth overall. Right. So, um, but yeah, I mean, his name is all like, there are a bunch of teams in there that like, I, they're interested, right. Uh, all along there, but you know, the swing and miss, he does things yeah. kind of in an unorthodox, the, yeah, it's you know, whatever Hunter Pence-ish, whatever, you know, whatever you want, it is whatever you want to say. Yeah. And, uh, I was just talking to somebody about that and they felt that he was even sort of less fluid than those guys that sort of do it kind of in that unorthodox way mm-hmm. to which I was like, but did you see Hunter Pence hit in high school? Like he may have been like Benny Montgomery is now that's, you know, yeah. one of the things that makes this such a, such a crapshoot. So someone's going to take roll the dice because the, the tools are just way too big to, to ignore for, for too long. Yeah. I think there's a point in the, I would say for me, it'd be more like the late teens. Then obviously clubs may disagree where you're going to start, you know, ultimately, it's just who's still on the board, right? You just line yeah. everybody up, and you're going to have Benny Montgomery. He's going to be near the top of anyone's prep list once you're out of, say, the top 15. I think you're right. And then it's weighing, you know, you, you, you have that prep list, and then there's the risk that's attached versus whoever the safer pick is that's also there. And then, right. you know, it, it always comes uh, down to risk aversion, I think, in some capacity, yeah. regardless of who who's on your board. Yeah, well, if the teams above that, too, are a little more risk-averse and say like McLean, Freelich, and Kowser all go, then some team may say, well, we're not going with the, you know, then who's the top of the next tier of college players? It's Tyler Black and Connor Norby, maybe. Somebody may say, okay, well, we actually would rather take the risk on the upside of a Benny Montgomery at that point. Right. Yeah, I think you're right. If that, 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 that mid-tier college bat, and this is, this is a bad year for college bats. Really is. Um, yeah. It's a shame because looking at this class a while, you know, a year ago, it looked like it was going to be good. Mm-hmm. Right. But you know, guys like Judd Fabian who might end up still going in the first round. Um, I'm fascinated. He's bat- only 20. He yeah. could go back to school. Right. And, but he had, you know, but he had a bad year and uh, every time it looked like he was starting to come out of it, it went South again and, you know, he ended poorly. And so, uh, but he it was a guy who looked like he might be a top five pick, you know, coming, mm-hmm. coming in. So uh, looking at those choices, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I think even like Judd Fabian against Benny Montgomery is an interesting 
it, it's a weird thing to compare, but they're both toolsy outfielders. And in some ways you have, you have more data, so much more data about Judd Fabian because yeah. he's done it in college. So you've seen him sort of the failures and the holes against better competition than Benny Montgomery, but you've also seen him hit 20 homers against really good competition and play a really good center field in college competition. You know, so it's, it, 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 it's an interesting thing where, and if, if Benny Montgomery doesn't go in the teens and he's in that area where Fabian's name starts coming up, like in the twenties, that's going to be an interesting conversation. Yep. Absolutely. My guest today has been Jonathan Mayo of MLB.com. You can and should follow him. Uh, you can only follow him for like four days. Once draft's over, you can just unfollow him. Um, worthless he's, after that. Yeah, it's there true. You go. He is on Twitter at Jonathan Mayo, M-A-Y-O. And you are going to see a lot of him on MLB Network on the Futures Game broadcast Sunday afternoon on the draft Sunday night. And uh, just making sure I have this right, on Monday, folks will be able to watch you and Jim Callis on MLB.com as the draft continues. Yeah, I think we're starting off. It'll be on MLB Network also, and then oh, cool. they switch over to like the All Star Game Media Day stuff. So if you want to tune in early and turn on the television, that's fine. If you want to be you know safe and you need seven hours of Jim and I trying to figure out who's you know who who just went in the fifth round, then just you know stick to, to MLB.com. That stream will be will be going all day. That's the point in the draft where I say, I don't know. Go ask Jim and Jonathan. The the best thing that ever happened, Keith, was this was years ago. I think it was before Jim even came. He was still at Baseball America, but he did day two with us. And he literally admitted that he didn't know a player, which I <gasps> thought was impossible. Oh, my God. And that should be a meme. No, it's it's amazing. <laughs> and so now we, we, we have an annual thing where at the start, you'll see at the start of day two, we will tell people up front, listen, we're going to get to a point where we don't know because we didn't know at the start of the draft bonus pool that there were going to be so many college seniors taken. And now that like they have to dive even deeper into those college seniors. So we, we say up front, like, listen, we're going to get to a point where we don't know players. We're going to, we're, we're saying that up front scouts who know us, please. If a guy is going to go, or even after he goes text us some information, because we want to give each kid, their their you know yeah their time because uh, it's exciting whether you're a first rounder or a senior money saver in the seventh round from a division two school like we want to we want to give you your airtime and let people know who you are but you know there's only so much you can google quickly and so now we 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 will go back you'll see as we go along the draft we'll be like hey five picks ago that lefty yeah. reliever from uh, Point Park University and pulling that because I'm here in Pittsburgh. Like, there you go. This is who this is. This is what he's about. Yeah. Excellent. I, I actually think that's really like a noble way to approach it, too. And just it's a reminder really the only way <laughs> they're all these are all real people with yeah. real, you know, even the senior signs, the fifth year, we're going to see fifth year seniors drafted. This Some year. of them will end up in the big leagues. That's what I was going to say. And they all have big league dreams right now. This yeah. is the, for a lot of them. This is the biggest thing to happen. And they're certainly in their baseball lives. Yeah. So good they, for you but, for giving them their. Their, yeah, their you seconds. sign for two million. You're signed for five thousand. It doesn't matter. You're, you were drafted. Like, you were drafted. Yep. They got more for signing. They got more money for playing baseball than you and I did combined. That is very true. <laughs> Jonathan, thanks for your time. Anytime, Keith. That's all for this week's show. Thank you so much for listening. Stay safe and please go get that vaccine. <laughs>